2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The word says, Paul was writing and he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare, he says, have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want you to think about that last statement for just a moment. Think about all the thoughts that may have gone through your mind this past week. All of the situations, circumstances, whatever you may be dealing with. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments a message I just simply titled, Spiritual PPE. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, once again we thank you. So awesome to be in your presence and feel you in the room today. God, right now we need you to anoint our ears to hear, anoint our hearts to receive your word. God, I need you to decrease me until I'm nothing, that your spirit may be increased within me, that God, I would deliver your word today, and God, it wouldn't come forth with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but it would be your word, not mine, and it would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Lord, I thank you for every precious person assembled in this building today and for every person watching online whether they're already FP family or whether they're friends and maybe family in the future. But God, we thank you for each one of them and we ask you to minister to them today by your Holy Spirit. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. While you're being seated, thank you, Nicholas. I am going to just add that uh, Membership Sunday, as you saw on the video, will be on August the 30th. And we have some folks that will be taking membership with our faith family. This one will be a little bit different. Uh, we will have them stand where they are. We'll put their pictures on the screen, uh, and we'll welcome them into our faith family that way. Uh, and we're just looking forward to that. I'm thankful that we can even experience growth amidst a pandemic, aren't you? God's good. We give God. Won't you give the Lord some praise for that? <clears throat> for those who want to become a, an official part of our faith family. All right, PPE. If you know what that stands for, say it with me. Personal Protective Equipment. For over five months now, we have all been living through a pandemic together. It's hard to believe because none of us in this room have ever lived through a pandemic before. So it's all new to us. And even since July 10th, we have been under a mask mandate in the state of Kentucky. Now, I'm not here this morning to argue with you the politics of the mask, okay? Let me, let me be clear about that. But let's do talk about what medical professionals tell us about the mask. Let's talk about that. They tell us that the purpose of the mask is to prevent droplets, sprays, and respiratory secretions from escaping from the mouth and or the nose of the wearer. That's you if you're wearing it. That's the purpose of the mask. And this helps slow the spread of the virus, particularly from those who may have the virus but do not know it because they have no symptoms. I'm aware of a situation of three boys from Corbin that went to a 
basketball type or camp type thing uh, that they uh, attended and all three of them came home fine, no symptoms, nothing, uh, but they got a phone call that you need to be tested because somebody that was in your midst exposed you to the coronavirus and they all thought they were fine and all three of them tested positive for the virus. No symptoms whatsoever. So that's why this mask mandate is in place. They're telling us that it, it slows the virus uh, from preventing droplet sprays and respiratory secretions from escaping from the mouth and or nose of the wearer. And this helps slow the virus, particularly from those who may have it but don't know they have it because they have no symptoms. So likewise, if worn properly, the wearing of a personal mask may also prevent droplets, sprays, and respiratory secretions that escape from the mouths and or nose of others who are not wearing masks from coming into direct contact with the, the nose and the mouth of the wearer. And thus it is called a piece, this is just one piece of personal protective equipment. Other common pieces of PPE include gloves, face shields, all those uh, hairdressers and nurses and medical professionals can say amen, goggles, you've even see the, seen the body suits if they're doing the testing. If you're in construction, hard hats, but if you're medical, a surgical cap. If you're in construction, boots, but if you're medical, shoe covers, all of these things are personal protective equipment. So now that we've established that, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like that life was throwing you into protective mode? Anybody ever been there? Has the news, has current events, or maybe your personal circumstances ever concerned you enough to the point that you feel the need to protect yourself. I can tell you, when I go to bed at night, there's a little uh, uh, 9mm that lays down uh, in the bottom shelf on the nightstand beside my bed. And if you even think you're going to come to my front door in the middle of the night, you're going to get greeted with me and him. Right? I feel the need to protect myself. Bless the hearts of the people if they're watching this morning. Mallory and... Uh, Lance Gentry bought our house and we've lived there for 21 years and Angie has been with the credit union since Abby was 10 months old so add that up almost 20 years and she's the assistant manager so of course if alarms go off she's the one in contact well we were on vacation and the alarm went off and they contacted her cell phone she tried to a new system tried to send the signal that she wasn't available. It needed to go on to the next person, but she sent a distress signal. So at 1230 at night, the precious little family that bought our house had the state police beating at their front door looking for Angie in the middle of the night. So you can only imagine what they probably think of us now. But they also, when they couldn't find Angie there, I don't even know how they got this address, but they beat on the front door of my father-in-law at 1230 at night. And him and his friend met them at the front door. But we all feel the need at the right times to protect ourselves. Do you see where I'm going? Is there anybody in the house this morning besides me that is concerned with this all-encompassing terminology of a new normal? Everything from same-sex marriage to the murder of unborn babies has moved beyond being acceptable and is now embraced as 
normal, even by some in the church. Yeah, I'm going to preach just a little bit. From everybody wearing a face mask, a face covering at all times when they're in public places, to a huge percentage of the workforce working from home, from having to mentally think about and process always maintaining a distance of six feet from everyone that we come into contact with, through, uh, and also to the closure of many places of business. From being told to stay home until you absolutely have to get out, to unless, of course, you need to participate in a protest or a riot, because that's an exception. From classifying liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, to classifying churches as non-essential, and the assembling of ourselves together is not necessary, when Hebrews 10 and 25 clearly declares to me that it is, all of this may be new, but I promise you none of it is normal. Can I hear an amen? None of it is normal. And has anybody else come to the realization that this is more than just everyday, natural, everyday life problems? And that as a matter of fact... It's kind of getting ridiculous. It's not normal. It's in fact quite unusual, totally abnormal, and just plain weird. Can I get an amen? Last Sunday, you know I'm transparent. I prayed. I, I don't do it a whole lot here. I do it a lot at home. But I felt the need after I got here. I'd already prayed Sunday morning. But I felt the need to pray again in my office. And the praise team and band can... can Verify for you that I prayed until I prayed in my office while they were trying to have practice. And then I have to be transparent and tell you, when God showed up and did everything I asked him to do, I got a nervous wreck. I stood on that front seat and I thought, Lord have mercy, this is a COVID haven. If somebody's got it, we're, we're all over each other in the altar. We're, Lord have mercy. I got a nervous wreck. And then I stood there and I realized... When we're standing in the house of God and we get nervous because the altars fill up and people are moving under the Spirit, uh, moving them in the service, it's abnormal. We ought to be concerned. Yes, we need to be safe. That's why when I called for prayer warriors, I said, if you want to come lay hands on people, lay hands on their shoulder or their back, put on a face mask and pray for them. Let's, be, let's use wisdom. Let's not be foolish. But my God, for the God's sake, Let's let God do what God needs to do in the church so that God can do what He needs to do in the world. It's got to happen in the church. It's just abnormal. A new study released this week by the CDC, just this week, revealed that depression and anxiety were skyrocketing among young adults during this pandemic. I'm going to read for you word for word, verbatim, what it says. It says, the toll was particularly striking among adults ages 18 to 24. In this group, about 63% reported symptoms of anxiety. Think about that. Six out of ten. Or depressive disorder. Listen at this, if this don't alarm you. 25% reported starting 
or increasing use of substances. 25% reported seriously considering suicide in the past 30 days. And the article went on to say, for comparison, in a national survey conducted in 2018, only about 14% of young adults reported an episode of major depression. And only 11% reported serious thoughts of suicide in the past year. What are you saying, Pastor? Well, let me introduce you to the spirit realm. The church has not been taught some of the things that the church has needed to have been taught for some time now. There are people watching online that don't have a clue about what I'm about to say. But let me introduce you to the spirit realm. Spirits are real. They are very real. Demonic influence is real. Demons are real. You have entered into a battlefield. And this is what I believe. I believe that we've entered into a new dimension in life as we know it. I believe that we are rapidly approaching the end times. I know some of you want to dismiss that and you want to say, I've been preached that all my life, I've been taught that all my life, but it's not going to be on this preacher's hands uh, to, to not tell you you need to be ready because I believe the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is much closer than you think it is. God is preparing the church for the coming of the Lord. We are in a new spiritual dimension. You've entered into a battlefield where every battle is either won or lost. There are no participation trophies when it comes to a spiritual warfare. This is war. We are in a battle. We are in the fight for our lives. And the truth is, it is spiritual. And the truth is, there are always demons that are at work trying to draw you away from God. Trying to destroy families. Trying to steal your health. Trying to steal your peace and your joy. And ultimately, trying to kill you. That's what John 10 and 10 says. It says, the thief cometh for no other reason but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, the thing is, the thief often gets by with it. He's often effective in his work because he's an expert at getting you to focus your attention on the natural. See, the enemy knows that if he can get you to expend all of your energy on fighting, and on struggling, uh, and on warring in the flesh, that you are already defeated. Because spiritual battles can never, I'm so good, Nicholas and I haven't even talked, but man, he said it before I began to preach. Spiritual battles can never be won on physical grounds. He said, I can't fight it myself. I don't do any good when I fight myself. Spiritual battles cannot be fought with physical weapons. Hello, somebody. Nor can you protect yourself from spiritual warfare with natural personal protective equipment. But spiritual battles must be fought with spiritual weapons and your spirit can be protected with spiritual PPE. Hey, hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. Let me read to you if I can calm down just a minute. 
If I can calm myself down, let me read to you what Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18 says in the New Living Translation. Read along with me. It says, put on all, say all, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm in all the, against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, after the battle, somebody say the battle will end. After the battle, somebody say this too shall pass. You will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Watch this. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. See, our battle, our warfare is spiritual. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not the person that makes your life miserable. Your enemy, oh boy, is not the Democrats or the Republicans or the president, past or present. Your enemy's not the government. Sure, there's evil in the government, but your enemy's not the government. Your enemy are not those who are for wearing the mask or against it. I would to God that the church would stop bringing a reproach. I'm not talking about this church. If I see you on it, I'll call you out. Would stop bringing a reproach to the church of the living God by arguing with one another over a stupid mask calling each other names and acting like the lost, why in the world would they want to get saved if we can't get along over a stupid piece of cloth? Your enemy is not those who are on drugs or alcohol. Your enemy is not the drugs or the alcohol. Your enemy is not homosexuality or lesbianism. Nor is it fornication or adultery. Your enemy is not sickness and disease or poverty and lack. Yes, every single one of these things may be manifest against us, but they're just the mask that your enemy wears. Your real enemy and my real enemy is the devil. And you are indeed engaged in a real war where you are daily exposed to danger. But the reality is, it's a spiritual battle. And the good news is, we've been given spiritual weapons to fight this battle. The Word talked about the belt of truth. You know what this book is? 
truth. Put on, gird yourself up. Hold yourself together with the truth of God's Word. Let God's Word be true and every man a liar. That means whether it's your family, whether it's your spouse, you can't compromise the Word of God to appease anybody. Did you hear me? I won't compromise the Word of God to attract new members and new money. I'm not going to compromise the Word of God to appease the members that are already here or the money that might leave. God's Word has got to be true and every man a liar. Say amen, somebody. Your shoes, before you go on your way, cover your shoes. Cover your tracks with the gospel of peace. We ought to be peaceful people. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. The shield of faith. Do you know that your faith protects you from what's coming against you? Let that sink in. Your faith protects you from what's coming against you. Choose faith over fear. Put on the helmet of salvation. Being confident of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ will protect your mind. Because when the enemy comes against your mind, he, you know how it works. He gets every thought that he can going in your head. You think about the worst possible scenarios of every outcome, everything that could happen. But when you place your, your uh, when you concentrate and you meditate upon your salvation, upon being confident of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, it will protect your mind. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. Knowing the Word of God... And praying the word of God will protect you from every enemy. And it will cut the devil every single time he gets within a swing's distance. You hold on to that sword, the devil can only get so close. And you swing that word and it'll slice right into him every single time. And then I'm going to say this. Praying in the spirit. Some of you don't know what that means. Here's what that means. Praying is good. But praying in the Spirit is a deeper level. Praying in the Spirit is better. I'm thankful this morning. If you don't understand praying in the Spirit and you're watching online, maybe that's why you're not here yet. You don't quite understand us. That's okay. I, I encourage you, reach out to me. I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Because this morning, I want to tell you something. I am Pentecostal and unashamed of it. Because we're living in a time, you better pray in the Spirit. You better know how to pray in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit, you engage all the angels of heaven to enforce the Word of God. They will fight for you. They will war for you. The Bible says when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit itself will make intercession for you it'll get a hold of God it'll engage the angels and they'll fight and war on your behalf and I've got to share something quickly this morning Exodus chapter 17 verses 8 through 13 I'm going to try to read through this story quick and then summarize it and we'll get right to the altar then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim so Moses said to Joshua choose for us men go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow I'll stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand so Joshua did as Moses told him, and he fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. 
So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Now, in this text, Moses told Joshua, we're going to have to fight with Amalek. I want you to note something. Joshua and the children of Israel were in a very real physical confrontation. The Amalekites were not imaginary. They were a real enemy that hated the children of God and wanted to destroy them. Can I tell you, they're still a real enemy that hates the children of God and wants to destroy them. And this symbolizes how the enemy uses the natural, the visible, tangible things that we're all caught up in right now to war against us. Let me give you just a little bit of an illustration. No doctor will examine somebody and diagnose them with cancer, with diabetes, or a heart condition, or some other terminal illness, and look at you and say, it's a demon. They won't do that. Because they only see in the natural. Last week we talked about the boy who had epilepsy, and Jesus said it was a demon. And I told you last week, sometimes you have physical conditions, but sometimes you have a medical condition with a demonic influence. Sometimes disease may manifest itself in the natural, but sometimes its roots are spiritual. That's why sickness is healed through faith. Say faith. In the stripes that Jesus bore on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you something this morning. I cannot help but wonder. If a tiny virus that we cannot see can do so much damage and wreak so much havoc and drastically change the world as we know it, what could a little mustard seed of faith do? What could a little mustard seed of faith do? See, sickness and disease came with the fall of man. Sin and sickness were the double curse that came. But the blood and the stripes that Jesus bore are the double cure. The blood was for our sins, and the, Bible, the Word says the stripes was for our sickness. So Moses said, I'll stand on the top of the hill. The hill represents a place of prayer. It's called a hill for two reasons. Number one, because prayer is real hard work. Real prayer is hard work. Number two, because the mountain represents the higher realm, higher than the natural, above the natural. When you get in a place of prayer, you'll rise up above the natural and you'll be able to see in the spiritual. He said, with the rod of God in my hand. What's the significance of the rod of God? Well, first of all, it represents the word of God. Prayer receives its intensity and its power through the word of God. And to pray with power, you must pray the word. You've got to know the word to pray. Number two, it represents the authority, as Nicholas has already mentioned this morning, that we have as the children of God. When Moses' hands were raised with the rod of God, the children of Israel prevailed. But when his hands and the rod began to fall, then Amalek prevailed. That's why we sing the song, This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I know it's repetitive. This is how I fight my battles. Because we got to remind ourselves sometimes, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
we got to get our minds off of it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Though it may look like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Because this is how I fight my battles. You sing that a while. You meditate on that a while. You'll begin to forget about all the other things. You'll do like I did last Sunday. You'll stop worrying about anybody catching the virus because they're in the altar moving under the Spirit of God. And you'll just say, God, you can protect protect us. You can overshadow us. You can move on your people. You can have your way because I'm sick and tired of a program. I'm sick and tired of agendas. I want a move of God that will shake this tri-county area for the glory of God with the rod of God in my hand. See, if you see that the enemy seems to be gaining ground around you in your life, the first thing that you need to do is ask the questions. How's my prayer life? Number one. Number two, how's my word life? I mean serious prayer. Not now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I mean serious word. Not just reading a few verses before bedtime. I'm talking about a steady, consistent flow of the word of God pouring into your heart and back out your mouth. Revelations 12 and 11 says this. And they overcame him. I may not have gave you that, Lauren. It's okay. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies. How did Jesus defeat the devil? He said, it is written. Then he vocalized what was written. It's not what's written. Listen to your pastor this morning. It's not what's written that defeats the devil in your life. It's what is written that lives in your heart and comes out your mouth that defeats the devil in your life. Did you hear me? Not just what's written. It's what's written that lives in your heart and comes out your mouth. The sword of the Spirit that defeats the devil is the Word of God spoken with authority from a believing heart. The church and the cause of Christ universally advances in the earth through prayer. As the ark was carried upon the shoulders of the priest, so also God committed His presence and His power to the shoulders of praying Believer, it's believers. It is through prayer that we put on, activate, and hold in place every piece of our Christian armor. It's through prayer that we put on and activate and hold in place every piece of our spiritual PPE. Ephesians 6 and 18. I want to read it again. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persi- persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's no such thing as living a victorious Christian life without prayer. It's by and through prayer that we wage war. It's through prayer that we receive our provisions for battle. And through prayer we receive our power for battle. It's in the closet of prayer that the Christian is dressed for the battle and for life. You see, you're not dressed. You're not clothed. In your PPE. You're not protected. Until you've prayed. You are not protected. Until you pray. That's why the enemy. Is overtaken. Believer. After believer. After believer. Today. Because we're not protected. Until we pray. Before David defeated Goliath publicly. He'd already conquered the lion and the bear privately 
That's symbolic of the prayer battle. You get your practice in your prayer closet. All public victory owes its accomplishment to is private prayer. I want to share this with you. Dr. Orville Hagen, who went on to be with the Lord this past March. They can go ahead and come on to the music this morning. He said something to me in our fellowship time the last time he was here to preach about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. And I read it again this week and it just rung in my ears and I remembered after he was here and we had that wonderful time of fellowship, he said, he said this to me. Jesus said, But thou, when thou prayest, I didn't give Lauren this, it's Matthew 6 and 6. When you pray, enter into your closet. And when you've shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's fought his battle. He's received his reward. But after he was here and preached and we had that time of fellowship, I remember sitting in my home office which was our bonus room. I was at home myself that day on a Tuesday. Instead of coming to the church office, I told Karen, I said, I'm going to work from home today because I wanted to spend a lot of time in prayer. And I remember meditating on that scripture. He had been here just the Sunday before. And here's what, here's what rang out to me. The Father, which seeth in secret, will reward you openly. I sat there in that office. I said, God, there's nobody here but me and you. Would you see me? Would you see me, God? I prayed that again this week. God, would you see me? Some of you need to get to your place of prayer all alone by yourself. And it's good to have other people help you when you're fighting spiritual battles, but it's better. It's good to have, don't, don't stop them from helping you, but the most help you're going to get while they're helping you is when you get on your own and you say, God, I'm here. Would you see me? Because see, I, just like Moses, I feel like so many times we get weary get burdened down we've all got something that we're dealing with and you need the strength of a brother or sister to help hold your arms up when they get too weary but you also need to do what James chapter 5 and verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much Effectual means this, powerful, effective, and it achieves results. Fervent means to be hot, to boil. It speaks of fervency of spirit. It may be a little old-fashioned, but I'm not embarrassed to tell you this morning that I still believe in holiness. I still believe in holiness. I'm not talking about the length of your hair, the length of your skirts, or whether or not you wear makeup. I'm talking about... I still believe that holiness is as holiness does. It's a condition of the heart. That means that if your heart is holy, your life will be holy. 
If your heart is holy, you'll walk holy. You'll talk holy. And you'll dress holy. Will you make mistakes? Yeah, sure you will. But I shouldn't have to know your church affiliation to know that you're a Christian. I ought to be able to tell it by the life that you live. It's not any old prayer that holds the secret to victory, but it's the prayer of the righteous. And it's the prayer of the fervent. You'll stand with me all over the house this morning. The Bible says they put the stone under Moses, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands. It said his hands were steady till the going down of the sun. When that happened, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. I believe this is the message that God wanted me to bring to you today. We are in a battle. We are in a war. This battle is not imaginary. Just like the virus, the battle is very real. But the battle is spiritual. It's not physical. Therefore, we got to fight it with spiritual weapons. We must protect ourselves with spiritual equipment. We can't win alone. We need each other. So I want to ask you this morning. There may be some people here today. You feel like you've been up on that mountain all by yourself. You've been trying to hold off the hordes of hell all by yourself. But I feel like you need to be reminded this morning. You're important. You're important. You are needed. Maybe you're watching online. You are needed. Your presence strengthens us. Your presence adds to us. We're not complete without each other. We're comrades. We're co-laborers. We're co-workers in this vineyard together. Where are you this morning? I just want us to, can we just put pride to the side? If you're here this morning, I just want to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed. This doesn't mean you're lost. Now, if you're lost, please don't leave here without accepting Jesus. If you're lost in this place today, please, I invite you to come to this altar. Don't leave this house not ready to meet him because you could go out into eternity before the second service even starts. You could pull out on this road after this service is over and you could go out into eternity before you ever make it to 25. Don't leave here not ready to meet him. But if you're here today and you, you feel like you're carrying a load, that you could use some strength under your arms this morning. I want you to know that the Lord has burdened your pastor for you. If you're here this morning and you feel like you have not been able to rest, you've not been able to stop fighting, it's a constant fight, but you need to know that you're not under this burden alone. You need the strength of this body. If that's you, I want to invite you right now. Nobody looking around. Would you just step out from where you are and would you just come to this altar this morning? Just come find a place here by yourself. If you're under a load, thank you. 
Somebody else, please don't let pride get in the way. If you need God to do something, thank you. If you need God to do something in your life, church, pray. I feel the Lord moving this morning. If you need God to answer something in your life and you need to feel the strength of this body, you need to feel the strength that comes when you pray in the Spirit, when other people are holding up your hands. If you need somebody to prop you up spiritually while you fight this battle, would you please just step out from where you are this morning? I believe that God wants to do something supernatural in this house today. He wants to meet every need. If that's you, step out from where you are right now. I'm going to count backwards from five. And I want you to step out from where you are and just begin to fill this altar. I rebuke pride in the name of Jesus. Do not let pride stop you from what God has intended for you today. If you need God to move in a circumstance for your life, step out from where you are. Five, walk to this altar. Four, we're going to pray for you and believe God for a miracle. Three, Two, anybody in the house this morning besides these? Anybody else? I need God, Pastor, to move in my life. I need to be held up with the power of prayer. In the name of Jesus, thank you, thank you. Yes, obey the Lord, church. Don't let the enemy stop you from what God has intended for you today. Anybody else in this house? I need God to move on a situation in my life. Step out from where you are right now. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you're a prayer warrior, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip on a mask and come up here and get with one of these that needs prayer, lay your hand on their shoulder or their back and just pray for them. They need to feel the strength of this body. Lay hands on them and let's ask God to move for them. And if you feel more comfortable praying where you are, as they sing, let's pray. But we're going to fight the battle with these this morning. In the name of Jesus.